welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we'll be talking about everyone's favorite topic, <coughs> relationships. So why do we want to talk about relationships? Like romantic relationships. Romantic relationships, yes. Let's be clear. Although I think some of the things we'll be talking about today also apply to platonic relationships as well. Yeah, because friendships can actually be hard word. Well, hard work. Hard word, yeah. Relationship is a hard word. But <laughs> friendships can also be... Uh, hard to maintain. I mean, sometimes it needs a little bit of work. It's a yeah. romantic relationship, especially like friendships that have lasted quite a long, quite a long time. So that you need to yeah. refresh them. I mean, whenever I have like people coming to me to talk about their friendships, I always get really into this whole topic of like, why do we talk about romantic relationships and we never address issues in friendships when we go to therapy? Because there's couples therapy, right? There's never like a friendship therapy. But that would be so cool. That would be really cool. Because sometimes your friend is a person that becomes family. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, honestly, my closest, like my childhood friend, they're family. Mm. For me, at least. I hope I'm family too. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, so, yeah, they're family, so even if you don't talk to each other for a while, I mean, we'll still have each other back, and I think it's true for all of us. Yeah, I think it's, it's true for a lot of, like, close friendships, but anyways, we digress. Yeah. yeah. We are going to leave the topic quite open, uh, primarily focusing on romantic relationships, but if whatever we say today can apply also to your other relationships, platonic relationships, family relationships, and by all means, yeah. uh, take it away. Because, so the thing is, we both work with couples. Yep. And, uh, of course, we tend to have uh, some gender couples, or at least more um, unorthodox couples or polycules. Yep. So, yeah, we had to work on the topic, like we were trained in couple therapy. But the thing is, when we were trained in couples therapy, we were trained in straight couples therapy. So that was great and completely not useful. Uh, But... Yeah, and so we had to think about it as well. And also talk about what we think was important in relationships. So we actually came up with our own rules. I mean, rules, guidelines. Guidelines, yeah. 13 guidelines of a healthy relationship. And the number fluctuates because we keep adding and detracting. Yeah, so. rearranging it. Maybe one day we'll publish them. Yeah, maybe one day. So I'm just making a disclaimer. This is 2019 and those are the rules we came up with. And please don't take them from us. <laughs> <laughs> but please, by all means, use them if yeah. they are useful to you. So first uh, rule that we came up with was that you need to forget about the social narrative about what makes a relationship healthy. Because, yes, there are certain things that when you look at a relationship and there's like a red flag, you're like, this is not right. Yeah. I think there is always like a line. Yeah. But in terms of, uh, for example, relationships that are non-standard, relationships that are same gender relationships, relationships that involve more than two people, you know, it, society may see that as unhealthy, but in reality, I think the health of a relationship is determined by communication. And it's also determined by how both or more than both parties feel in the relationship. Exactly. And it's, and the the actual rules like to uh, work it out between yourself and your partners Mm -hmm. instead. Yeah. And not just... Uh, applying rules that you've heard. Also, I really don't like the word healthy when it comes to relationships sometimes, mm. but functional or dysfunctional yeah. will be better, a little less judgmental. I would say so, yeah. Because, you know, working with people who are in non-monogamous relationship, they're like, oh my god, I feel jealous and I absolutely have to overcome that feeling. It's mm. like, no, you don't, because you know what? Jealousy is a natural feeling. 
it's like for a lot of other things a form of alarm system that you need reassurance yeah then the way you're going to get this reassurance is up to you you can go to your partner and talk about it or you can find the reassurance within yourself yeah and there are different ways of doing it but jealousy in itself is not bad it's bad if you just just ruminate on it I, I mean, I always, there are two things that I tell my clients. Number one is that all emotions, like emotions are not inherently good or bad, no. right? When it comes to emotions as the way we experience them, they're just a signal that yeah. our brains, our gut, whatever you want to call it, something telling us. Something is happening for yeah, us. Yeah, that something is happening. It might be something good. It might be something, uh, it might be something that's wrong. It might be, it's, it indicates a change in your environment is the yeah. way I see it. When it comes to, you know, the health of a relationship or whatever you want to call that, that this general balance of the relationship if you will i think it's also less of a rigid rule and more of a feeling yeah so whenever like i work with emotions with clients especially those clients who are who have difficulty naming their emotions i always ask okay you know you don't know what you need to do to get there but can you at least describe how it would feel yeah how it would feel in your body like yeah. when you for example in this in this case because emotions are like very much uh, related to how you feel in your body. Exactly. They express themselves to the body. And sometimes you're not even aware of the fact that you're having an emotion, but the body knows it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's where that's where the expression, for example, seeing red comes from. You know, when you're angry, you literally do see red. You may not understand that you're being angry. You may not acknowledge it at that moment. Also because emotions sometimes can be so overwhelming that you can't name them at the time. Yeah. But anyways, you know, it's about finding this fantasy or this imagined way of being where you feel good and work towards that that's yeah. i think what it means to be healthy in a relationship yeah i think that you can go from what you feel in emotions when you for example when i work with trauma mm. so i'm going to be a little bit darker there <laughs> but you sort of use how the current trigger makes you feel to what we call a float back or this type of technique that help the person maybe connect with past traumatic events because sometimes you have a trigger in your daily life but what you're going to looking for is a um, I mean root trauma if I can say so so you're going to use emotion and how you feel when triggered to connect with what happened in your life before the same way if you can have access to the positive emotion that you want to have uh, you can also from that understand what you actually want or what it would look like for you to get to that emotion so you can use it with negative emotions but you can also use it with positive emotion yeah and i think when it this kind of ties in with the second rule is that balance is a requirement for relationships and balance is something that we really feel mm. so if there is no balance in your system be it a couple or a polycule or friendship or whatever you will feel uncomfortable because a lot of our relationships, besides professional ones, those are a little bit trickier, but most of our relationships are based on the concept of reciprocity, yeah. on the concept of equality. So obviously you're not going to be like, well, you know, I, I did the dishes 30 times this month and you only did them once, although you might want to bring that up. You're not going to like... <laughs> you're not gonna like unless, count. unless in an agreement about something else exactly well. but you're not gonna count every single instance of i displayed affection for you you display affection for me and that's how it's supposed to be but when there is an excess of priority of one partner's emotions the other partner will feel uncomfortable there will be an imbalance and yeah and i think that the balance here is not you have to be do exactly the same thing mm. 
in the relationships, that's not about it. It's not no. about how you divide tasks. Uh, because some people, uh, I mean, you know, everyone works differently there. And sometimes they kind of almost into a nomadic model of someone taking care of the house and someone else working is not necessarily bad in itself if it's something that suits who you are. Yeah. And also as long as both partners stay autonomous enough, the one thing at home can actually go back to work if they want to. Mm-hmm. And the one um, working can actually survive by themselves in the house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's pretty important. But it's, yeah, it's an emotional balance. Mm. And, and when it comes to balance, you always need to communicate. Rule yeah. number three, you need to make sure yeah. that there's no misunderstanding or misconception. Because just balance can be unbalanced for a while. Yeah. If someone is not doing well. Mm. Because we're going to look, to look at the, like, on the course of the relationship. Not just at one moment, because sometimes one person can feel really bad and you need to, the partner is going to be more in a supportive role for that moment. But And it's okay for a while, and it's okay if there's balance, because it can happen in the, the other way around. Yeah, but I think it's really important to explain what's going on. Oh, yes, you. exactly. Because That's communication, that's rule number three. As the thing say. is, a lot of people think that like romantic relationships are these like mysterious things that are romantic because they're mysterious. Like, there's always this, like, veil of, oh, my God, I'm going to keep this a secret because that way my partner will love me better. That is wrong. Please reevaluate your priorities because this emphasis on mystery that I think pop culture puts um, when it comes to romance is really hurtful. Yeah. I really think it's bullshit, especially when it comes to relationships that involve more than two people. Communication there is, like, it's air. You cannot do without it. And that's also in some gender relationship when sometimes internalized homophobia mm. can come, like, you know, just invites itself in the relationship. So it's really, really important there to talk about it. Yeah, homophobia or transphobia or any kind of biases that we really yeah. have, you know, you have to communicate that, mm. you know, if your partner says or does something that hurts you, you want to mention that, not write it off as, you know, it just be like that. Because that's not how things are. And when you come talk about internalized stigma, mm. uh, it's also, and therefore being minority, it's also very important in relationship where the two partners don't have the same ethnic background, or cultural course. background. Because, yeah, like communication and being able to help the other to understand what your reality is, is so important. Yeah, because I, there's a lot of people, especially here in the Netherlands, um, who use this excuse of well i can't be racist my wife is black which is no no it does not give you a free pass and your wife probably has a lot of things to say to you if you use language like that and you probably have internalized stigma and you have like some kind of a uh, racist filter yeah and and honestly it's understandable (laughs) but it doesn't mean that you should not work on it exactly as other person of color that can yes have internalized racism as well and Say, oh, no, it's fine because of it. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's really important to communicate about it because I think this rule is also about the fact that protecting someone from the truth causes a lot more damage in the long run than communicating about it. Mm. But it's just about communicating with love and consideration for your partner's feeling. And for that, I will use the techniques that we uh, read in uh, Girl Sex 101. (laughs) Still a great book. By the way, yes, if you haven't given that a read... Regardless of whether you identify as a girl, read it. The rule is that before breaking a news that could be hurtful for your partner, um, just explain what's going on. Mm. So it's like, okay, I 
I have something to tell you. And I, I know that might be hurtful for you. And I know you might react this way. I'm afraid that you might react this way. I am aware it's not neutral for you. It's something big deal. But I'm telling you because it matters to me and you explain why you need to tell them. Exactly. And why it, it means to you. And then you break the news. Yeah, I think it's really important also for those of us who are in straight passing relationships who are just starting to realize that their sexuality might be different, like coming out in a relationship. That would be a very good way of uh, of doing it. You know, making sure that the other person feels not protected because by protecting someone you might also negate their feelings but that the other person feels hurt yeah exactly and it's and it's something we might like talk about again but it's true that when you are um a queer person in a straight passing relationship being able to communicate with a potentially straight partner mm. is a straight straight partner is can be tricky it's a challenge it's a challenge but being able to Say, okay, acknowledge their experience, even if the experience can seem sometimes a little bit, um, what they might say can seem a little bit um, ignorant to you. You have to understand that they don't have the same experience. So acknowledging their experience first helps them to understand yours. And it's you sh- I can already hear people thinking, we shouldn't have to do that. Mm. Maybe, but we are all human beings. And as human beings, it's much easier to hear someone else's perspective or truth if your perspective, if what you experience is also acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. Which doesn't mean it's right, correct? It's, it just means that it's there. Because it's how we work, it's how we function. Like, yeah. And yeah. You, as you are, more likely to hear your straight, straight partner's perspective if they first acknowledge your experience as a queer person. Absolutely. So moving on. Um, um, yeah, well, the fourth rule. The fourth rule is a little bit more romantic. Yeah. There can never be too many ways of saying I love you. And yes, I can hear the groans and the popcorn being thrown, but hear me out. It's really important. It's really important. And there's this standard cliche of like, oh, couples that have been together for like seven plus years, they no longer have this much affection, this much romance towards each other. Which is fine, because love can transform. Love can transcend the limitations of what society imagines love has to be. But if you still care about your partner, you need to acknowledge that. And mm-hmm. make sure that the partner knows. And I'd say like this, this rule is also, I mean, guideline at this point, is about also creating intimacy. Uh, we, I mean, we all saw one about sex, but it's, yeah, you have to make sure that your partner feels cared for. Yeah. And that there's still this very intimate, specific bond, bond between you, the two of you. Because, you know, being in love comes and go. Mm. Let's face it. It's also a biological reaction. Um, a chemical. Chemical reaction. It's basically your oxytocin just being like, I like this person. And Let's stay with them. It's, yeah, it can come and go. And you can fall back in love. And that's amazing. Mm. I think long-lasting relationships are relationships also where you keep falling in love with your partner. What makes a relationship work also is the love, like genuine love and care and accepting of the other person for who they are and see them. It's really important to be able to see your partner for who they are. It can be a little bit tricky. Let's face it, because we all have protection oh, yeah. and filters, but acknowledging who they are is really important. And by saying I love you, it's what you're saying. It's like, I see you mm. and I appreciate all of you. I love all of you. 
Also, I like you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can be in love without liking a person, but when you want to make something work in the long run, it's better to actually like and love the person. Yeah. It helps, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's about that. And and being also creative about it, seeing the person, yeah, that they feel love. Yeah. Loved. And if you know that your partner is, for example, interested in something, you don't have to be interested in the same thing, but acknowledge that interest. It's one of our rules. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so <laughs> rule number five, you, yeah. building a relationship is like building a house, which means that, yeah, there's a lot of like, like I said before, this whole spontaneity mystery thing is so romantic, but in reality, it doesn't really work out that well. <laughs> you really want to have a blueprint before you build a house. You want to have your GPS on before you go somewhere that you don't know where you're going, which is how most relationships work. You don't know where you're going to end up, but you want to have at least a clear idea about your expectations. Yeah, it's about like having a blueprint. Maybe you can change the way you're going to build a house in the end, mm. but you have to agree with the blueprint on the blueprint in the beginning. Yeah. And it's something as silly as like, actually, you know, if you really want kids and you're starting to build a relationship with a person, maybe it's good to make sure that you are on the same page. Not necessarily that this person is going to be your um, baby's parents, (laughs) other parents, but at least you know where they're going to fit in that. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that is important to you. Mm. If this person at one point might want marriage for some reason... Because yes, it can feel good, even it's, it might be seen as a normative for some people. It's also a form of recognition. But if you are very much against it, it's something that it has to be talked about. It doesn't mean that it's the end of a relationship, that it's, not, it's impossible for the relationship to work out. But it has to be addressed. You can't ignore it. It's linked also to the communication rule. It also is related to rule number six, setting compatible individual goals as well as common ones. So obviously you don't have to like the same music and, I don't know, both like Pokemon or something, (laughs) but you want to make sure that your expectations, your goals, your ideas about what your future looks like is at least somehow able to overlap with that of your partner. It doesn't have to be all the way. You don't both have to want to, both of all of you, want to have, (laughs) you know, a house and two and a half kids and a dog and all those things. But it has to be something that is feasibly attainable between the people involved. Yeah, if you know that it's important for you to actually live with your partner at one point Mm. and to nest, Mm. whether it's in a couple or a polycule, and one of the partner involved like really doesn't want that and want their freedom, it has to be addressed. Yeah. And so it may be clear that from the beginning that this relationship is not going to lead to nesting. Uh, Or maybe it can change, but you know, you can't expect your partner to change for you. Exactly. And I would say, you know, think about it this way. It's like, you know, one person wanting to build a road, another person person wanting to build a tunnel, and another person wanting to build a bridge. Those three are all valid, but you're going to have to, like, pick one or at least make those three compatible on the same stretch of the way. Yeah, it's just... And and then you can also have your individual goals that are for also, you know, because you need to have your own personal satisfaction and growth yeah. uh, not just the couple growth but to find find things that are compatible if one of you wants to travel the world and be on the move all the time and another one wants to just stay in one place it's not necessarily incompatible because the person can come back uh, the person who wants to travel the world well, can come back and have this safe space with the other person but it has to be talked about yeah I mean the way I like to I mean to exaggerate if 
you know, there's two people involved in a relationship and one of them wants to become the president, it's going to impact the other person. Yeah. So that's something you really want to talk about from the beginning. Yeah. It's not, it's not something. And, and, it, and you can find compromises, but it's also about you having your individual goals that are respected and find like reasonable common ones for the relationship. Absolutely. Again, not saying we're going to have a huge house and 2.5 kids, but because you don't know if you're going to be able to do it. Uh. But saying, okay, I really want to live with you at one point, and I would love to have kids with you. That's a reasonable goal. Yeah. And if the other person wants it, of course. Keep in mind that if you are in a same-gender relationship, chances are having children will be much more of a you know, commitment and choice and process rather than being in a, a different sex yeah. relationship. I mean, if you can make biological babies together, yeah. like, you know, just having intercourse and making babies, yeah, it's a little bit simpler when if you have to either adopt or find a donor or exactly use a surrogate. So um, yeah. that's also a process, and that's something you really want to make sure that both of you are at least on the same page about. Because yeah. that means getting involved in a process that will be discriminatory, discriminatory that will be um, very trying on the relationship. Again, it's not about having all those very specific goals set up from the very start. Mm. Let's make sure you kind of are compatible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you have someone, someone who really, really, really doesn't want to have kids and someone who really, really, really want to have kids, it doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship together. Yeah, but it might just have to be reconfigured. Yeah, and also mean that you might have those kids with someone else, mm. all alone. But it's going to be different. Exactly. You just have to be aware of it. So that goes into rule number seven. Relationships tend to evolve, and it's not great to be afraid of change. Because without change, there's no growth. And without growth, individually and together, there's no future for a relationship. Yeah. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Because say you fall in love with someone in high school when you're 17. Your relationship is not going to be the same at the age of 25 or at the age of 30 or at the age of 35 because people tend to grow, people tend to mature, people tend to, you know, uh, find something that they're interested in all of a sudden and kind of pursue that path. And that's okay. You know, and, and saying things like, you're not the person I thought you were anymore. Yeah, because no one is the person they thought they were anymore. And it's not contradictory with the previous points because it, the first the previous points are about like have, make sure that you're having at least similar mm. goals or like to find what you have in common and what you can build on. Uh, and also those individual relationships goals we talked about, they need to be renegoti renegotiated and also um, just redesigned regularly because circumstances change, uh, change and we all change. Mm -hmm. And... So something that you didn't think was a possibility at the beginning of your relationship can become a possibility, or you get some, some new interest, or you never know. But it's something you can also negotiate, so it's also linked to the communication guideline, and to just, yeah, we're not always going to stay the same. And you know what? Even in a heteronormative relationship, you get married or not, but you have kids, and then the kids leave the house. You know what? The relationship is not going to look the same when you don't have kids, when you have a baby, when you have a toddler, when you have a child, when you have a teenager, teenagers at home, yeah, and when the kids, the kids, leave the house, yeah, because you know you've had eighteen years of like another person being there, and then suddenly they're out of the house. What do you do? Eighteen years in the best of the kids. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Anyways, um, in most cultures, yeah, but it's going to say that the relationship is there, it's going to evolve, and you just can be prepared to it. And then it, there's a change that happens because you know what, you're also partner you love very much can maybe have a health, some health issues. Exactly. I don't want to, like, of course, it's not, I can't wait for that, of course, mm. but it can happen, that's mm. life. And if that happens, it means that you have to adapt. And if you have like done everything before and you know you talk and you know where you communicate and you know where your partner stands for as their goal and what matters for them, mm. there you can be actually flexible enough because you have certainty and strong, um, a very strong basis. Mm. You can renegotiate, you can find a way, a creative way of making it work with uh, the changes that happened. Yeah. I think I would also say that that just reminded me of, um, you know, also people who are in inter-abled relationships. Yeah. When it comes to, especially those that, you know, when one person's disability came about as a result of an event rather than being born with it. Mm-hmm. Because then you have to reconfigure your relationship and you have to be ready for a commitment of caring for someone who might need an, a lot of extra help. And if... If uh, you need a, um, to take a look at how what it looks like, I highly recommend SBSK, which is a YouTube channel. Um, it's this guy who travels around the world and interviews people with mul- a multitude of different disabilities, uh, mental health issues. And a lot of those people are in committed relationships with people who are able-bodied, mm-hmm. um, neurotypical. And so those kinds of relationships are actually really strong because it requires a commitment on a whole different level. And it doesn't um, mean that there's no balance in the relationship. Mm. Because, of course, one partner may be, care, may be caring for the other more physically. Mm. But that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of care. Emotionally. Emotionally. Exactly. Like, and here the balance will be a little bit different. But it still works. Yeah. So speaking of balance, let's talk about sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. Um, <laughs> sex doesn't make a relationship. Yeah, there are different ways of being intimate and that may mean that you are an ace person or you're, you know, just not that into sex in general or you're not into a specific kind of sex in general or you're into all kinds of sex or you're super kinky without having sex or you're kinky with having sex. There's so many varieties and what matters in the relationship is the connection and the equal satisfaction of each partner. So if, you know, let's talk about a very heteronormative situation if there's a man and a woman a cis man and a cis cis woman who are having sex both have to walk away satisfied yeah and we know because studies that it's not necessarily the cases and like when it comes to um women uh female identified people lesbians tend to be the more satisfied i'm just saying that yeah that is actual science boys so (laughs) yeah anyways that's just way to relax nobody it's couples but really it's it's also like you can have sex only with each other. Mm. You can have other partners. It doesn't really matter. It's about here again we're back on those common goals and like make sure that you're on the same page. Yeah, is that you both completely comfortable with how you organize this part of your relationship, mm. and that you're both satisfied with it. And yes, it can evolve. And yes, you can renegotiate it. Yeah, and of course it's easier but when you both. have yeah. It's, it's easier when you have the same um, sexual orientation. So if it's, you know, a queer person with a queer person or an asexual person with an asexual person 
or a straight person with a straight person, although that one, I'm, like I said, I'm a bit on the fence about. But, <laughs> for example, relationships that involve people with different levels of sexuality, say an ace person and a person who had experiences sexual attraction or a person who's super kinky someone, and a person who is not. Or someone who has a very high libido with a partner who doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So all these different things will have to be taken into account because, again, if you are a person who needs less sex, you might experience this temptation of kind of wanting to um, overcompensate and be like, well, I'll, I'll do this, I'll sacrifice myself so that you feel good. That's not great either, because the other person will understand that there's something false in an ideal situation. I mean, I don't know, but I, I know that at least for uh, generations, and a lot of cis, cis women have heard stuff about, you have, you know, you have a lower sex drive, so you have to force yourself a little bit, yeah. and then you'll get really into it. Yeah, well, that's not true, and... Um, I mean... It can be true that you might be less aroused than your partner, and it doesn't, whatever your gender is, yeah. But be less aroused than your partner at that moment, and you can decide to go for it a little bit and see if it comes. Mm. And if you want to continue, but you have to be able to opt out at any moment. Sorry, you said if it comes, and I just, anyways. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I mean, I am a literal teenager. So speaking of sex, um, rule number nine is try to get interested get interested in what your partner likes. I've mentioned this before. Like, if you are from different cultures, try to get interested in where they're from. Try to get to know their friends. Try to get to know their family when it's possible. But try also not to get too involved in their world or to make their your life theirs. Or you know, it's it's a matter of kind of taking two or more different parts of a relationship, putting them together and creating something new out of it. But it also means having respect for where your partner comes from. Yeah. Like, get interested in who they are and where they come from and their story and their family. Mm -hmm. But what is going to make your relationship work is also to create a world of your own. Exactly. It's like Venn diagrams. You know, like those ensemble diagrams. Mm -hmm. And then when they touch, they create a third category. That's that the thing. They, they, they overlap which is where you're going to create that together world. But those aren't one. Yeah. And it's also good because it, it, it goes back also to those individual goals. You need to exist by yourself. Yeah. And it's, and it's so important to get to, to know your partner, who they are, but also you're not them. Yeah. And it's also about just having fun. Rule yeah. number 10 is have fun together, you know? The time spent with your partner should be enjoyable. And it's not going to be amazing every time. And sometimes you two are going to have, two or more, are going to have a really shit day. But yeah. that's okay as long as you're there for each other. And even when things are difficult and the daily routine takes over the romance, you want to try to take the time to have fun together. Not just quality time, but moments where you're genuinely just happy and laughing and Kind you know? of be kids together. Yeah, just be kids. Be warm, I think. Be experience this profound feeling of attachment. And we know also that, you know, laughing, laughing does wonder for your brain. Yeah. And if you can laugh together, you it's amazing for your own brain and it's amazing for your relationship. And if your idea of fun is just staying in bed all day and doing nothing and both staring at your phone, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. As long as you share with each other the memes that you're seeing and <laughs> you can laugh about it. Exactly. And, and yeah, it's about kind of understanding what the other person needs and making sure that 
you're at least spending enough time developing that and and seeing and loving your partner for who they are which is rule number 11 yeah which maybe would be like it should be a little bit higher yeah yeah. i don't know um yeah but it's about it's about loving someone i mean it goes with a way of saying i love you it's like yeah it's about loving someone you know like for better or worse because there are going to be things that are going to drive you completely crazy about your partners and there's going to be things that make you completely like adore them both of these parts are completely acceptable and it's and okay it's not it's not about that very autonomative narrative oh i hate my wife because i love her oh my god they all ball and chain yeah the whole type <laughs> of thing and i don't want to go home because my wife is so boring <laughs> or she's so naggy like i think it's going to be nag to nag me all night to uh I don't know, put my socks away or something. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about, you know, understanding that your partner is a person with qualities, but also flows. Yeah. And those flows, it's not going to change just for you. Maybe you're in that kind of, in a relationship where you're both willing to work on those things. But in the end, again, your partner is not going to change drastically. Want to quote a great TV show because your body's perfect. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you you know what? Your partner is not perfect. No. And you know that. No. And you can loathe that flow as well. And you can talk about it. Like yeah. it's hands of communication and telling I love you. And yeah. Also, a side note for communication don't, t- don't tell your partner that they're perfect. It's creepy and, it, and it's weird because oh they God, know yeah. they're not. <laughs> also, let's see, be very clear. If you think, oh, this person. They're the person of my dreams. They tick all my boxes. They're perfect for me. Okay, chances are this relationship is going to go down in flames. Yeah. Uh, because no one's perfect. I mean, it's, it's like we said, it's about balance. Like, there's going to be things that are going to not, you're not going to like. Maybe this person snores loudly. Maybe this person doesn't put the toilet seat down. Maybe this person is, I don't know beliefs crumbs all over the place but that's okay and you can deal with it as adults admit that there's maybe a problem there and find a compromise absolutely and it's it's um and if you live together because you don't even have to live together um, but it's it's about being realistic about your partner and i know it can sound almost counterintuitive in a culture where we've been sold like this romantic idea of love like this idealized idea of love but truth is, when you find someone who's actually compatible, well, you can love their flows. Yeah. And accept them. Absolutely. Moving on to rule number 12. Don't let outside influences disturb your relationship unless all the partners are in agreement. Which means that you're not going to let your family, your friends, or anyone else take up residence in your safe space and dictate your rules to you. Which means that if your partner's boss keeps giving them longer hours or if they if your partner's mother is literally crashing on your couch every other week and, and you're not okay with that you want to bring it up yeah always asking for grandkids every two hours god um <laughs> it's uh it has to be like okay there will be outside influences obviously there will be uh family um Taking, uh, trying to influence a relationship. There will be, uh, I mean, ideally family should not, should mind their own business, but you know. Yeah, uh, no family ever does. 
yeah no uh, and um you should also you're going to have like as you said like bosses that are going to give too much work there are going to be things like or friends even like you know your best friends or your significant other best friend who is going through a tough time and comes crashing on your couch that happens and yeah it can be fine as long as you both agree with it uh, having um overbearing mother-in-law is not necessarily a problem or father-in-law or parents-in-law uh, cannot be a problem if you are a team if you feel that you're not fighting both your parents-in-law and your significant other on the uh, on the topic mm-hmm. if you're both in agreement about what's happening there and where your boundaries are a couple are you know we talked about individual and common goals here it's about setting your individual and common boundaries yeah and uh last but not least number lucky number 13 happy halloween by the way um belated halloween yes it's, it's, yeah it's like a week later we're yeah anyways you also don't really celebrate halloween but yeah it's a european thing yeah. anyways ending a relationship does not mean that you failed and it does not erase all the good memories that you've shared with your partners and not being afraid of this outcome actually gives you more chances of making it work. Yeah. Because if you are so afraid that you're going to break up, you're not going to communicate well with your partner. Yeah. You're not going to be able to set your goals, your and your boundaries. You're not going to be able to be yourself. You're not going to be able to see them for who they are. Yeah. I think it's really important to remember that anything can happen. Yeah. And, you know, one day you may wake up and realize that you're not in love with this person anymore, but you still care about them, but you want to explore something else, for example. That's fine. And also you have several ways of doing it. Mm. You can say, okay, can we open the relationship? Because I need to explore something else, but I really want to keep you as a partner. Yeah, and if that person is okay with it, yeah. Or you may want to divorce, but still be friends. Or you may want to co-parent. Or you may want to, uh, you know be part of this giant polyamorous community and what is going to make a relationship fail is actually not addressing the issues or what's going on in the relationship yeah it's not addressing the relationship is evolving it's not being yourself in the relationship yeah and i think ending a relationship of course is painful it's painful to everyone involved but it's also a learning experience i mm. think yeah it really is it's a good stress test for who you are as a human being. And yeah, I, I, I honestly think that there are more healthy ended relationships, ended romantic relationships than those marriages that you hear about, you know, the good old ball and chain yeah. marriages that are together for 20 years just because they made a commitment. I mean, when entering in a relationship, a romantic relationship, you can gain a great friend and you can gain family. Yeah. Whether you stay together or not. That's a whole different story. Yeah, because you can stay together as a couple and still have this person who becomes your family. Of course, not a sibling, but becomes your family and becomes your... And he is your best friend or one of your best friends. And that's an amazing story. But just for an amazing story, when you are in this romantic relationship and for some reason it's not working out anymore, and by ending it, you're gaining a very loyal friend who is like, yes, family, especially if you have a kid together. Absolutely. 
So these are our 13 rules. We're already way over time, as we usually are. Yeah. If there's anything that we missed, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Obviously, you know, we are fallible as therapists and we're fallible as human beings and we admit that. If there are any more rules you can think of, please send them to us via email or send us a tweet or send us a direct message on Instagram or whatever else. And for your reading list, we recommend Girl Sex 101. Of course, as we mentioned before, a fantastic resource, mm -hmm. as well as this nifty little book called Experiments for Newlyweds. Slightly heteronormative, but still interesting. Still really interesting on how kind of to make your relationship adventurous and interesting uh, by Sean Gallagher. So these are the two things that you might want to take a look at. And many other things. And then the, the classic of couple therapy, but you know what? <sighs> I'm on the fence about the classics. I don't know. I think a lot of approach to couple therapy is really interesting. Mm. But I think that what really works for couple therapy is to listen to the couple. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also on that note, just like a small addendum, make it like a 13.1 rule. Couples therapy is not a failure. Oh, yeah, God, no. So many people think that, and that's really kind of sad. Also because it's our job, so it's, we're in the business. Um, but also just, you know, it's, it's a new way of communicating. It's learning something new about your partner. It's not oh my god, I failed to realize this, it's I'm going to realize this through a different means, by inviting someone, an external observer, to observe. And I think, you know, uh, something that is actually um, uh, underlying all of those roles, like it's, it's something that is pretty obvious for us, is that when you start a relationship with someone or with several people, not when you start a relationship, the relationship kind of becomes a person of its own. Like, mm -hmm. not a human being, like, let me be clear, but <laughs> there's the two of you that the way you behave to each other, to with each other, and then and what you feel for each other, and then from that is created a third term, which is the relationship itself. And when you go to couple counseling or polyfill counseling, you are not, it, you are actually just attend, attending to this third term, to yeah. this relationship. Think of it, it as... to be so nurtured. Think of it as like having a puppy and then taking your puppy to a trainer. Like the trainer is not just going to train the puppy. The trainer is going to tell you what to do with the puppy. Yeah, that's a pretty good metaphor. I know. It's kind of weird, but I actually just came up with this on the spot and I'm going to keep it. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because your relationship exists. It's, it's created like almost outside of you in a way. Uh, and, and you need to nurture and take care of yourself. And your partner mm. and the relationship. Couple Absolutely. therapy is just like taking care of the relationship. Basically. It's like slapping on a lush face mask, you know? It's it's upkeep. You know, if there's a leaking ceiling, you're going to want to, you know, try to paint over it. Yeah. Yeah, and also it's not because you created the relationship that you understand it entirely. It's a little bit like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that sometimes you need someone to help you understand it better. Yeah. So these are our 13 and then some rules, guidelines. Um, suggestions, yeah, whatever tell, you want to call tell them. Tell us what you think about it, and so you can publish. We can publish one eventually. Yeah, we would love to hear some feedback, and we're absolutely not using you as free editing. Um, <laughs> but please do uh, message us, email us, send us a DM, slide into our DMs, as the youngsters say these days. It's weird. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. I'm, I, I know. I'm around teenagers a lot. <laughs> and uh, if there is anything that we missed, please let us know. Otherwise, we will talk to you in two weeks. Um, 
Bye. Bye.